What's good, y'all? It's your boy Joe, uh, back on the podcast. It's been a minute, you know, and uh, I need to introduce my guest real quick because I don't think I did during the episode. Uh, this next uh, guy coming up, his name is Victor Tran. It's really funny. He's got great jokes. He's been doing comedy for like nine, ten years now. He's a Houston comic. And uh, we also talked about him having a going away show with our previous guest, Josh Stokes. Uh, he said November 21st, but actually it's going to be November 22nd at the Secret Group. His uh, The going away show is going to be November 22nd at the Secret Group. That's going to be a good one. You should definitely check it out. And uh, let's start the show. Yeah, me and my cousin, we had a we had a podcast where we just plugged the mics into the laptop. I remember you had that podcast because I've heard one. Uh, I was listening to one of the clips that you had, and it was really funny. Oh, yeah. You're talking about Vietnam, and I was just like, God damn. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, my cousin's hilarious. He's in law school, but uh, he's really funny. He, uh, so that kind of reminds me, like, I have a friend, his name is Brian. He's a uh, Vietnamese uh-huh. and like, he's one of those naturally funny dudes. Like he's naturally funny, but he has no, uh, he does not want to do comedy at all. Oh yeah. Like, what at all? What's over? And I keep telling him, man, you're really funny. Just go on stage. People will love you. He's like, nah, I don't want to do it. Yeah. Sometimes knowing you could do it is good enough. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know. You have a girl that, you know, you could hook up with. It's like, oh, yeah, just knowing I could is just as good as doing <laughs> it. <laughs> that sounds kind of egotistical. It's just like, I know I can, but fuck it. Like, yeah, it's like... You know, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, I got the answers I needed. I mean, but like, uh, I, I, does that relate into comedy somehow for you? Like, do you feel like comedy is that girl like you'll never get? And that's why you keep doing it? Uh, I guess. I mean, um, I think if I frame it, like through the lens of like chasing something. Yeah. I think that's a lot of the appeal. I always feel like I'm chasing, you know, the next big thing, the next great bit, next good joke, you know? Um, yeah, that's like a part of it. Yeah. I see that in myself too. Like, uh, how old were you when you first started? I was like 19. I was pretty young. Damn. You started young. Yeah. And I'm 28 now. So it's almost been like 10 years. Oh my God. I didn't even know you, you, you seem so young. It's just like, sometimes I forget how long you've been doing it. Yeah, I've been around for a long time. I've seen the j- scene change like two or three times, like the wh- whole landscape of the scene. So uh, it's interesting. It's interesting to see how things stand now because when I started, it was a lot different. So I remember you about four or five years ago. The first time I ever started comedy, it was at Ruts. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I saw you. I remember because like you weren't working out as much back then and you had your glasses still. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember the old Victor and like, you still had good jokes. You you were still you had stage presence. You were confident, and you just were doing your thing. But I just I I see a change in you too. Yeah, the, yeah. the scene has changed, but you also have. Yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of that comes from doing comedy. Not necessarily comedy, but all the people that I've met. I think they've kind of helped me grow as a person a lot more than others. Because uh, I started comedy right after high school. Like I think it was like the first year of college. So I was like uh, pretty young. And I noticed now that a lot of people from high school haven't changed at all. They haven't grown as people. But uh, I think I have a lot. And that's because I've been hanging out with people who are a lot more experienced, a lot wiser than me, um, you know, since I was a teenager. Like older people. Older people, essentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, That was the same way for me. When I was a kid, I used to just want to hang out with adults for some reason. I never Mm -hmm. wanted to hang out with people the same age or younger. Yeah. I just I don't know why. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, I'll hang out with anybody, but... I was like forced into it because when I started doing comedy, everybody was older than me, you know? So like even, even guys who are still relatively young, like Joffer, Ashton, Dale, those are all young guys, Zod somewhat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, yeah, they're, they're all young guys, but they were all like big brothers to me. They were more mature. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. percent. Now looking back, like, you know, I looked up to them, but now looking back, I'm like, well, they probably had a lot of growing to do back then too, but they were still ahead of me, so. Yeah, I feel like this is the same with me. Like, when I first started comedy, I was 25. Mm-hmm. But, like, I I keep thinking about it. What if I would have started younger? I feel like my life would have been different. My, yeah. my jokes would have been different. My life experiences would have been different, you know? Maybe. I think there's pros and cons. Like, one thing I think about all the time is, uh, uh, sure, like, I, I've been around for a long time. I've had a long time to grow and learn and, like, marinate in the scene, you know, or just in comedy in general, and uh, got a lot of experience comedy-wise, 
But I feel like I missed out a little bit on just living a regular life, you know, like uh, 19 to 25. Those were sort of like formative adult years, you know. And uh, instead of living my life and figuring out who I am, that was all spent at open mics and shows and stuff. So, like, my um, all of my experiences come from comedy. I never really had, like, uh, a life outside of comedy. You know what I mean? So sometimes I wish I had that. But also, I mean, the benefits that I've gotten from doing comedy for so long, um, I wouldn't trade that either. So just like uh, Catch-22. Yeah, I mean, because you're almost 10 years now. And they say yeah. once you hit 10 years, that's when you start figuring out who you are on stage. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know if that's like uh, 10 years of doing comedy thing, like a 10,000 hours of doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Michael, becoming Malcolm a master. Gladwell, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if it's that. Or maybe it's just like. I say a lot of people start in their twenties, and then uh, they say, "Oh, in ten years, you find out your voice." Maybe that's just them hitting that age where they, you know, figure out who they are. You know, maybe it has nothing to do with doing comedy for ten years because you see people who start late and they they already have perspective. They know who they are, and they're great immediately. You know, like Miss Pat, I don't think she started until way later in her life. Miss Pat is great. I love Miss Pat. And she's great. You know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. So. Yeah. That's that's a really good point. But like, there's a, uh, it's one of those things. Like, I started at 25, but I didn't have much life experience. I was really sheltered. And then once mm-hmm. I started doing comedy, that's when I started coming yeah. out of my shell and really figuring out who I am. Right. You know, it's one of those things because like, uh, there are those comics that I've seen that just start out and. Great. They know who they are. They're they're really funny. They have a perspective in life, but it's it's very different. Like when you were young, you you were nineteen. Why, why did you want to get into comedy? Uh, I always like performing. I I've always loved stand up. I watched stand up like since I was a kid. I was like a big stand up nerd. And um, were you watching Comedy Central? And yeah, I watched like those Comedy Central half hours. Yeah, the presents. And, um, yeah. yeah, presents. Those were a big thing. And then also. You know, all of the big ones. Like, I loved uh, Chris Rock and uh, Eddie Murphy. And then uh, later on, I loved, like, Russell Peters. And um, even Daffan, even though he's, you know, considered, like, a hack. I love Daffan. <laughs> you know, because, like, yeah, won, you, you never uh, saw, like, a Vietnamese guy. He won uh, Last Comic Standing. Last Comic Standing. Yeah, yeah, and then he got, like, obliterated by Patrice O'Neill on that Colin Quinn show and kind of kind of tanked his career. Yeah. Yeah, but... Uh, I mean, but you kind of... You can see why he made fun of him and oh yeah 100 yeah. percent. and i think that fan i think he handled that badly but like um uh yeah i mean i i liked him because i didn't i wasn't really comedy savvy i just you know plus like as a vietnamese guy like seeing that somebody shit, that's like represents. oh shit that is true you know yeah. um but yeah, so I've always been a big comedy fan, comedy nerd, and I, I never thought about doing stand up. I had no idea what a comedy club was, like ever. I just I just knew stand up existed. I didn't know like the infrastructure behind it. Uh, but one time in college, uh I learned what an open mic was because the fucking whiskey brothers came to our college and my professor was like a friend of the podcast or something. So he had them do a live podcast. And if we attended, we got extra credit. So I went and uh, um, I was actually on the podcast because I asked a question. But anyways, they, they talked about open mics because there's, you know, some douche frat guy was like, so how do you even uh, start doing stand up? <laughs> and they talked about doing open mics. So I found out about uh, St. Dane's. And then, um, whoa, St. Dane's, that's a long time ago. Yeah, that's wow. the first place I ever went up with St. Dane's. And to this day, that might have been the worst crowd I've ever seen. The first time I went up, might have been the worst crowd I've ever seen. Like, comics were literally jumping on tables to get the crowd's attention. <laughs> and then they're like, That sounds like Christians. It, it was like Christians, but I, Dane's was worse. <laughs> Dane's was the rowdiest open mic. How, well, that I've how ever was seen. your first time? It was terrible. It was terrible. I, I brought it to my friends. I was like nervous as hell. I went up, um, just pulled the bandit off, bit the bullet, did the same hacky first time joke that everybody does. Oh, I guess I'm losing my stand up virginity. Wah, wah. <laughs> and uh, it was terrible. And then I went, <laughs> I remember I drove my friends to see me. So I had to drive them back to Pasadena, which is like a you know, 20, 30 minute drive. And they were like, they're oh. like, dude, yeah, that was good, man. <laughs> 
And then like I'm like steaming, driving them home. I was like, don't fucking lie to me. You know, I know that oh was bad. Oh, my God. Uh, to the point where they were like, I think you're being a little too hard on yourself. And, uh, yeah, I was like, don't ever lie to me. <laughs> <laughs> that never went away. To this day, I'm still very, like, probably too hard on myself with comedy. I mean, but, like, you have to be sometimes. If you really, truly care about this, you put a little bit more pressure on you yourself. You should care. You yeah. should definitely care. But shouldn't like you shouldn't let it make you hate yourself. You know what I mean? Because I've had I one of the things I've had to learn was how to like temper that. You know, because I've had instances where I would like uh, one time I smashed a window and I had to go to the ER. Oh shit! Uh, <laughs> what was that at? Avant. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's warranted because Avant could be a bad show sometimes. And the worst part is, is like I didn't bomb. <laughs> <laughs> I did so great. Like I smashed the window and then like a couple days later, somebody who was there asked me like, why'd you do that? I was like, I mean, did you see my set? And they're like, yeah, it was fine. (laughs) So. All right. I mean, like, so that that just shows you care a lot about what you do though. Sure. Yeah, I do care, but um, there's a difference between caring and then being a complete psychopath, (laughs) you know, like uh, that's not, that's, that's uh, caring in a, in a negative well, way. Well, you're very passionate. Sure. You're passionate yeah. about what you do. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could see it in that, that sense. Because like, I've, I've done the same thing. I've been angry after bombing sometimes. I've yeah. Been, I've cried. I've cried at least once or twice after an open mic, just bombing really hard. Right. Yeah. And like, it's because I'm very passionate about what I do and I care a lot. But mm-hmm. I've had to temper that myself and I've had to tell myself, hey, this isn't everything. If you bomb. Yeah. That's you're not. It's not your whole world. Just mm-hmm. let it go, and you'll get the next one for sure. That's how I always feel. Like now, I know. Okay, you bomb. You feel bad for a night. You wake up the next day. It's like it never happened. Well, the hardest thing to do is bomb and then be in the room and sit in it. You know. Oh yeah. That's yeah. the hardest thing, and you have to like tell yourself, "Hey, get over that. You're you're with your friends. You're hanging out. You're mm-hmm. talking. Get out of your head because yeah. that will affect the conversation sometimes." Or yeah, yeah. I, I usually just leave. Or like you bomb and then you got to sit there and watch somebody else kill like right after you. Oh, man. It's like, what? This is what the crowd like? This sucks. Yeah. <laughs> this dumb. Like, like you go up with this material that you worked really hard on. It bombs and this dude is doing like, like humping the stool and you're like, oh, shit. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's some crazy. Like I've had that happen before. And it's like. God. Happens a lot. Yeah. It's bombing happens all the time, though. Yeah. It's like a lot of people don't realize that. Like, cause like people ask you about stand up and they're like, so have you ever like just completely bombed? I'm like, yeah, 60% of the time. Yeah. That's what it is. A lot. Yeah. You know, most, most times are bombs. <laughs> and then the other 40% it's like, oh, this, oh, this feels really good. Well, like you, you're a really good joke writer. You're very precise with what you do. You have really good punchlines. Uh-huh. And like, I, sometimes I see you coming up with a new joke and like the premises are funny. And you kind of already have an idea of where you want to go with it. And yeah. then once you start working at it and you get a little, you, you take it a little further, then you, it gets so much better. Like, I remember you did, uh, what was it? The current event show uh, at Secret. Oh, like, yeah. Uh, a couple years ago. And you had that, uh, that Papa John's joke. And yeah, you told right. it for the first time. Yeah. And the first time you told that, murdered the room. <laughs> yeah. And I, I've never heard anything like that before. And I was, I was blown back. Yeah, um, I don't know. I feel like that's just something, I mean, not necessarily the Papa John's joke, but just having the ability to kind of know what direction to take a premise, you know? I feel like that's one thing that just comes with doing it for a long time, you know? Because you know what uh, ideas work for you, you know what structures work for you, you know? Um, You kind of have a format for your jokes already saved in your head, so you can sort of just put these ideas through the machine and then it comes out a form joke, you know? Um, so yeah, like I think, uh, I just learned how to do that after, uh, doing it for a long time. So it just got easier the more you did it. Yeah. 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 Like, you know, you know, your beats, you know, structure, you know what I mean? Like a lot of times when people say like, Oh, you're like such a good joke writer. Like what's your writing process? Da, da, da. I feel like they have this impression that, like, I sit down like Jerry Seinfeld and, like, write down every word. And I definitely don't do that. It's all just, like, bullet points. It's all like, okay, here's the idea of the joke. 
here's the punchline. How do I get from here to here? And um, that's it. It's like it's very organic. Yeah. Do you uh, like the jokes just come full formed in your head sometimes? Sometimes, sometimes they do. Um, other times I'll have to sit down and really think about like, how am I going to make this idea work? Like, I think this premise is funny. How do I find the punchline and make this work? There's like, uh, yeah, it's, you know, uh, there's a lot of different ways to come up with jokes. So yeah, there's no set way. A lot of it is just a combination of luck and also just mining for material, you know? I feel like, like with the material that you have, you like to cross the line. And a little bit. That's the one thing I like too. I like crossing the line, and yeah. I like comics who do that uh-huh. because it, in this art form and his craft, that's something that that is looked upon as like, oh, he's working, he's doing something, right? You know? And like, have you always been like that? Yeah, I mean, that's the type of humor that's always made me laugh. You know, like even when I was a kid, I was laughing at like Chris Rock. And I don't even, I at the time, I didn't even understand the magnitude of what he was talking about. You know, like these big black issues and stuff like that. Um, and race, like there's no way I fully comprehended it. But I knew it was funny just because of uh, the reaction that he would get. And also like, I, I knew that it was edgy. You know, I knew that it was like taboo, right? Not to say he, he was wrong. He was right about everything, but it's like, I, I knew it was taboo. I knew it was pushing some sort of envelope. Like I knew I people wouldn't be able to say this outside of the confines of a comedy space, you know. So yeah, I, I've just always liked that type of humor. Um, so so yeah, I mean that's that's what makes me laugh. So that's how my comedy manifests itself. You know what I mean? I'm not like some edge lord where I'm like, you know, <laughs> tonight I'm gonna go out and really test the crowd. It's like this, these are just yeah. things that make me laugh. I'm gonna go talk I mean? about rape for five minutes. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, which, which is dumb, but the whole pushing the envelope thing. Like, I, I do like to, you know, maybe tell the line a little bit. Um, but I don't consider myself like a like a super edgy comic or anything like that. I think. I think, like, when comics do edgy material, you know, I think they have to do it in a way that is digestible for the crowd. Like, I don't like this new way of thinking where, like, if the crowd doesn't like edgy material, then it's the crowd's fault. Like, they don't get comedy. That's not true. Like, they're just people. They're not supposed to know, you know. It's not their job to know. It's the comic's job to make them laugh with their ideas. So if your idea is not working, that means the joke's not working. You need to figure out how to make this idea you know, work as a joke. Like, that's your job. If the crowd's not laughing at your idea, that's a failure on the comics part, no matter what the subject is. That's a very good point, because I feel like, as a comedian, you th- you see why something is funny, but being able to relate that aspect to the audience mm-hmm. is where the work comes in. Yeah, that's the whole job. Yeah. You know, you're like, uh, it's almost like you're a translator. You know, yes. you, you speak comedy. The audience doesn't speak comedy. So you have to translate comedy into a language that the audience will understand. So you could talk about whatever. You could talk about, you know, what's funny about, you know, I hate using the example, but you could talk about rape or something that is potentially divisive. But if you don't translate it correctly and the crowd's not laughing, that's a failure on you, you know. Yeah, and then the comedian that can actually talk about it, make it funny, is seen as somebody who can write well and it's yeah. like oh wow he's really good because yeah. you can take something that's divisive and turn the crowd around on it mm-hmm. and I feel like that's something that I want to do later on too I haven't been able to do that now uh, lately I've just been talking about myself and you do that too because like yeah. would you consider yourself an alt comic I don't um, but I, I so in my head there's like two camps of comics and these are just terms that I learned from Back when I started, because when I back when I started, there were like club comics and then there were alt comics. Those were like the two names. Now it's probably called something different. But um, basically, like club comics are like traditional standups. They go up there, they do their jokes. You know, they're jokes that you would find at a traditional comedy club. You know, like uh, either you're a set of punchline guy or you're like uh, so my wife. Da 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 da. Observational. Yeah, 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 things like that. And alt comedy would be things that sort of like push the boundaries of like what comedy is. You know, like alt comics would be people like maybe like Maria Bamford, who's not like a traditional stand-up comic, but still amazing and really funny. Like just that camp of comics. Mm -hmm. Um, I always thought I was sort of in the middle. Because uh, I 
my style is very clubby. It is very like traditional stand up. You know, I'm very like I'm a very joke based guy. Um, but at the same time, uh, I try to write stuff that is like new and original. You know, and uh, so in that vein, I feel like I sort of lean towards the alt side. You know. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, you do. Do you consider Secret Group as like an alt comedy club? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. we we all perform there. You know? Yeah, I feel like most people that go there are expecting like the improv type stuff, but then sure. when they see that, they're like, "What is this?" Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, is like I, this is just me. I I kind of try to do both. Like I try to build an act that will work both at places like the Secret Group, where it's an alt venue, and places like the Improv, which is a traditional which comedy is club. Smart, which is very smart, and that's something that a lot of people should do. That's yeah, that's yeah. the job. You know, yeah. that's. Uh, it's like what we were saying earlier that the duty is on the comedian to make this shit work for whatever crowd, you know, um, that's my philosophy. Other people, uh, have their own and that's great. You know, uh, I love super all comedy. I appreciate, you know, traditional club shit too. Um, this is what I, this is what works for me, you know? Yeah. I feel like I'm the same way. I mean, but like, were you popular in high school? Uh, I, I wasn't like super popular, but I wasn't like a fucking loser either. I was just like, (laughs) (laughs) I feel like uh, a lot of comics, you know, there's like this romanticism. It was like, oh, I used to be nothing. And then I found comedy. And it's like, uh, no, I was just sort of like, I was, people liked me. I wasn't, you know, homecoming king, anything like that. But people liked me, you know. Um, For the most part, were you funny? Yeah, yeah, people thought I was yeah. funny. Like with my friends. Uh I wasn't I wasn't like the class clown. I'm still not that guy. Usually like very quiet but um reserved a little bit. Yeah, know? super reserved. Yeah. yeah. Um but I always had like a good sense of humor and I was always like funny with my friends. I always felt like the class clown, the guy who's like making the whole crowd laugh, that guy's never actually funny. You know, he's just an attention seeker. The guy who's that's actually funny point. is the guy at the back of the room making fun of the class clown. Yeah. You know, and I feel like that's <laughs> that's kind of what comics are. Yeah. yeah, the guys that shit on the guys that are just trying too hard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I see that a lot too. I mean, but like, I, I wasn't popular in high school. I was kind of like an edgelord, I guess. But like, I see you... And the way you your material where you take it and stuff like that, I'm like, that's something to aspire to be. Sometimes, you know? oh yeah, thanks. I, no, I really do respect you because from the moment I saw you, I was like, this guy's funny. This guy gets it. This guy understands like the joke writing process, the performance aspect, and it just works. You know, you put cool, it all together. Man. Yeah, that's good to hear. Yeah, uh, yeah, I owe a lot of that to the people that I started out with because I learned entirely from them you know like uh yeah people like joffer dale john wen ashton um zach dixon and a bunch of other guys which are all doing their own in things out there yeah, right yeah. now in their own right they're all really funny yeah which, which like, is awesome during that time like you know uh during that time there matthew broussard there, there was just like this really good wave of people like really creative people who um, we're just all kind of good at comedy, like all sort of got it. And I don't know if it's, I don't know what it was. I don't know if we were like passing that along through each other or if it was just like, uh, or if it was just coincidence that we all started around the same time and we were all pretty good. I don't know what it was, but like that whole wave sort of shaped what the Houston scene is now. Because when we started, when I started, um, it was like, there was no central base to Houston comedy. You know, there was no secret group. It was all just random bar shows. It was the Wild West, you know. Like, the big umbrella for Houston comedy was, like, um, Stephen Padilla's Laugh Town or whatever. That was, like, the umbrella of, like, St. Dane's and Christian Sale. And you won that, right? You won that competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. along with, like, a couple of the other guys. But, um, uh, so, there weren't any rules. It was, like, the Wild West, you know, and it was very, like, bar that makes sense. Like all of comedy was a uh, shit that you would find at like a bar show, which can be like, uh, that style is like very dirty, very abrupt, very loud, you know? And then there were like these new guys who, uh, 
you know, started their own shows, which kind of became the secret group, kind of opened up a lane for a different avenue of comics, like, you know, more alty guys, you know? And, um, so yeah, it's just like, uh, we, I think that group of people, we all sort of just like motivated and learned from each other or I learned from them a lot. And, um, I think that's why, you know, like good writing and original comedy and like, you know, like good objective comedy is, uh, is important to me. And I kind of went on a tangent there. Oh, no, it's good. Man. Yeah. Yeah, man. Because it's, it's, it's weird because I've seen, I saw the scene four or five years ago and it's way different than what it is now. Yeah. And for, for better and for worse. Uh-huh. Well, what, what do you think is better and what do you think is worse? Better is like, uh, the talent. We have more comics. They're actually like being more original working on what they have. Yeah. Uh, the worst thing is like the business side and behind the scenes, like there's a lot of drama. There's a lot of bullshit. A lot. Oh more now. yeah. That never goes away. Well, there's more now than there was before. Oh which, yeah. Which is a crazy thing. Yeah. Hmm. And I, I feel like it's part of, uh, because of Joe Rogan moving to Austin and now all the other comics that can't make it in Austin are trying to trickle down here, you know? Oh, yeah. And it's like, it's, I, I feel like it's going to get worse later on. Probably. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but you don't have to deal with that because you're going to New York. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of problems out there too. Uh, yeah, but that that kind of stuff, the behind the scenes drama, like it's it's always going to be a part of it. You know, it's it's just going to be different issues, but there's always going to be side shit. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, but like, have you dealt with any of that when you're coming up? Yeah, yeah, there's always infighting. There's always, like, egos and, like, um, people misbehaving, people getting canceled, things like that. No, yeah, like, that shit's, it's, uh, unfortunately, it's never going to end. It's just human nature, you know? Well, also, we're going to bars every night, and there's also drugs and alcohol in the mix, too, so that makes it way worse. Yeah. You know, and sometimes there's some good people, but because of drugs and alcohol, they're not really in their right mind at that moment. Sure, yeah. So like it gets kind of murky sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and the egos in comedy is so big. Oh know? fuck the egos. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm guilty of that too. You know, I mean, you know, I could be a real asshole sometimes. But um, I mean, but like I feel like that's just you though. Like not you as like you're you have a big ego, but like at that moment, like when you have a really good show and you feel good. Oh yeah. You know, it just shows sometimes. You're just like, hey, I'm, I feel good right now. <laughs> I, yeah. I like to like you know I like to bust balls I like to tease people which is like fun that. I I yeah. like that too I like I, I like bullshitting I like talking shit to people because right now the way I feel about Houston comedy is like it feels like a family you know sure yeah you have those cousins that are fucking assholes and you don't mm-hmm. really talk to them then you have your uh, other cousins that you love so much and your brothers and sisters and stuff like that yeah so there's it feels like a family now yeah but like a couple years ago it wasn't like that yeah yeah I see that. Do you guys feel like you hold each other accountable on stage? Yeah. Not not in terms of like, you know, joke stealing your stuff. Well, the real friends will actually tell you something. The like, other people go like, uh, if you bomb, they'll be like, good show. And you know you didn't have a good show, but they'll yeah, still say yeah. that. Like when, when I started, um, you know, we, we all kind of push each other to really not be hacky. Like we would try our hardest to be the farthest away from whatever we thought hacky was. And... Uh, you know, I, I feel like there's less of that now, if I'm being honest. like That's uh, very true. Right? Yes. You're, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. so right. Yeah. And I don't know if it's just because, uh, like, this new crop of comics are, like, younger or, like, inexperienced or whatever. But I feel like, um, I don't know. They, I, I'm never really impressed by anybody anymore in the scene. Like, there's, so you, there's only a yeah, few. You've been doing it for so long, too. You've seen almost everything, so... Yeah, I guess I guess so. Like, yeah. if somebody's gonna impress you, they're gonna have to be like really good. I'm never like impressed by like the really edgy stuff. I'm always impressed by like, just like, uh, you know, somebody has like good mechanics, like good joke mechanics on stage, or if they, uh, or if they just talk about something that nobody else is really talking about in the scene. You know, I always like that. Like, um, I always liked. I mean, I, yeah. Sorry, I, I was gonna name names, but I don't really want to. <laughs> right. You don't have to if you don't yeah. want to. But I mean, but that yeah, it's some crazy stuff. I mean, but like, also you break a barrier being you're Vietnamese, right? Half, yeah, half, half. Vietnamese and half Filipino. 
Yeah. You're breaking a barrier because there aren't any other Vietnamese or Filipino comics in Houston right now. That's true. I mean, there's Sun. Sun's really good. Oh, Sun. Sun yeah, Tran, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> who, who I think is underrated. Sun is that's very really, true. Sun really is hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Love Sun. And he's, been, he's another guy that's been around for a long time, and he just got it down. Like, he's so good. But but yeah, I mean, there's a there's a little bit of that. But I've also seen a lot of Asian comics come and go who um, are kind of hacky. You know, like they they talk about the same shit. They talk about, you know, they just take a really uh, predictable approach to their material. You know, and I don't really want to do that. Even now, like I, I watch a lot of Asian comics on online. Or I follow them online, and uh, I respect them. But a lot of the stuff that they're doing, like to me personally, feels a little like pandery. You know, it's like uh, it's like they're pitching themselves to like a network, like, "Hey, I'm Asian." You know, I'm. <laughs> this is what you know. Like they're trying to do a sitcom of what they think of an Asian person is. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I see that a lot. But, I mean, but that's how wasn't that how comedy was back in the day? You go on stage, you do your personal material, and you make a sitcom out of it. Yeah, and there is that still today, but um, I don't know. I don't, like, look at any of those guys as, like, the stand-up greats. You know what I mean? Like, the only guy who did it was, like, Seinfeld, but that show is based off of his original stand-up. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it wasn't, like, him trying to fit some mold. That's what I'm saying. It's, like, a lot of Asian comics go up there. I feel like they're trying to fit a mold. You know, and it's like uh, it's the opposite of what we're trying to do. We're supposed to be creating a new mold, you know, for only ourselves, like as individuals. Well, I mean, I feel like the more you do it and the more recognition you get, that will happen. People like younger uh, Asian-Americans will look at you going like, oh, that's the new wave. This is this is what comedy is now. I hope so. You know? Yeah, I hope so. But uh, on the flip side, I have seen a lot of Asian comics where I'm like, fuck, I thought I was a shit. This person's really fucking good. Oh, really? Like yeah, who? Yeah. Uh, um, this is a girl in Austin. Her name's Casey Shornima, I think is her name. She's from Memphis. She she was really impressive. Um, Pong, Pong Dong is uh, really good. Like, even though he's still pretty new, he's only like three or four years. And like, you know, even with all that Tony Hinchcliffe shit, like oh, every, yeah. si- every time I see Pong, I'm like, Oh, this guy's getting better and better and better. Like, he's, like, really fucking good. He has a joke about the whole Tony Hinchcliffe thing that is fucking killer. It's oh, really? so <laughs> funny. And, um... Well, what did you think about that situation? Yeah, I was upset. I was upset that, uh... Yeah, I was upset that my friend got called a chink by some idiot in front of a bunch of people. You know what I mean? Like, I'm very much on the side of comics, you know, and free speech and, like, yada, yada, yada. And it didn't really have anything to do with like, oh, can comedy, can comics say whatever they want to say? It had nothing to do with that. I was mad that my friend got called a fucking slur on stage. Like, that's a reasonable thing to be mad about. And all of his yeah. dumbass fans coming after him. I was mad about that. And did anybody come after you? No, because I didn't no. involve myself in it. Like, I retweeted the video. Was, but that's about it. But what happened? What angered me more was a few months later. Um, you know, I had that all Asian showcase and I had, um, Pung on it. And then I had another guy, Hans Kim, who's like, uh, I guess now he's like a part of Kill Tony. He's a regular now. He's yeah. like a regular now, right? Who yeah. I like Hans Kim. And, um, I had them both on the show and like the day before the show, Tony pulled them from my show and he's like, uh, Hans messaged me. He's like, Hey, Tony said I couldn't do it. So that pissed me off because yeah. it was my fucking show. Like I was affected by that petty bullshit. And so, like, that was the only time where I interjected myself. I posted a screenshot, like, look at this fucking bitch, you know? No, he's did the same thing to me, because uh, Enrique and I were doing Quick Fix that same week. You were doing the all-Asian show. Oh, yeah? And uh, we, had, we were going to have Hans Kim on it, but then he messaged us saying, hey, we can't do the show. I, I can't do the show. And I was like, okay, cool. And then I heard about the Tony Hinchcliffe thing, and I was like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, that was some whack shit. It was stupid, because I was like, why would he have anything to do with, you know, Tony and what happened? It's just because he does kill Tony. I mean, yeah, it's dumb. And it's like, yeah, what? yeah but uh, I feel yeah. like it was like childish. It was just petty. It yeah, was it was dumb. petty. Like I, it was completely unnecessary, and it kind of fucked me over a little bit. Like, um, yeah, I, I saw Tony over this last weekend at Skankfest, and uh, that was disappointing. He called 
couple of weeks earlier, he called Luis Gomez and had Luis call the club. And then it's like, <laughs> like, hey, you know, uh, this Victor guy is like posting online that he's going to do something, which I didn't. All I said was, I'll see you at Skankfest. And uh, I think he was just trying to get me kicked off the fest. But then he ended up being a judge on the roast battle. Uh-huh. And it was fucking awkward as hell. Um, but I will say that he, uh, even though he did bring up the punk dunk situation and he was just being an idiot, um, he didn't go after me while I was on stage and he easily could have. So I was like, whatever. Um, okay. I still, I still think he's an idiot. You know. I mean, we're, we're comics. We do stupid shit sometimes. Of course we can be idiots. Yeah, but you can't go on stage and just call people slurs. You know what I mean? I mean, the way he defended it was he was just talking shit about Peng because of the material that he was saying beforehand. Yeah. And I saw the whole video yeah. of Peng and then Tony right mm-hmm. after that. And I kind of understood where he was coming from. But at the end of the day, you're right. You can't say that. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, yeah, I completely get that. And, like, when that happened, people were like, oh, you got to see the whole video for context. It's like, yeah, I saw the whole video. Yeah. And I have all the context. I've been doing comedy for a while. It's like, uh, I know the bit that he was trying to do. It's like, you know, Punk just did all this progressive Asian, you know, material. Wouldn't it be funny if somebody came up and just went the complete opposite direction? Yeah. I, I see the structure of the bit he was trying to do. But that takes a little bit more nuance and skill than just going up there and yelling like chink (laughs) 30 fucking chink and like yeah i I could go on a whole tangent about that like you know i hate using this as an example because it's not entirely one-to-one but if if it was a black comic and tony went up there and yelled the n-word the whole time it'd be a completely different discussion and you could argue you could argue that like well asian people in america haven't had the experience same uh, the gr- severity of racism as black people in America. And that is 100% true. I would totally agree with that any day. But it still doesn't make it right. It still doesn't, you know, you know, yeah. No, you, you totally make a good point, and I agree. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah, that shit was dumb. Well, I, I hope this wave of, like, Asian comics and comedy, I hope it sort of uh, fixes that. Because I think, like, uh, it's not the worst problem. To ha- it's not the worst problem to have, but I think a lot of times Asian people are used as like the butt of jokes, and it's fine. It's because they're jokes, but mm-hmm. I think the reason why that happens is because um, people don't have any uh, fear of repercussion or consequences, and uh, the consequence of that is that people uh, in everyday regular lives feel like they could shit on Asians or or uh, treat them lesser than because they don't think that anything's going to happen. It doesn't even occur to them that maybe feelings might be hurt or maybe, you know, maybe they'll get fucked up or things like that, you know? Uh, One argument that I've heard is that a lot of people make fun of Asians is because they're so successful. That is a myth. That is a myth because um, there are some, I mean... If we look at Asians as an umbrella, you know, if you break down the statistics, like, yeah, like Chinese and Koreans or maybe, you know, maybe Japanese people, uh, yeah, maybe their income is on par with, like, white Americans or whatever like that. Uh, But there's a lot of different reasons why they come from developed countries that emphasize, like, academics and stuff like that. Uh, But if you look at other groups in the Asian umbrella, like, uh, like Vietnamese people or Filipino people who, you know, who my parents are, um, they don't come from developed countries like that. They come here and they face like poverty. They're put in, uh, they grow up in areas that, um, are predominantly like poor black, poor Hispanic, and they face the same type of issues. So whenever you say like, Oh, all Asians are successful, then you're ignoring like specific, uh, groups of Asians, you know, it's like, you know, with like the progressive Asian community, or whatever, there's a saying that like, okay, we're not a monolith. And basically what that means is like, we're not all the same. We all face different issues. You know what I mean? So, okay, let's say you accept that as true. Asians are successful. So it's okay to make fun of them because you're not punching down. All right. Well, you look at groups that 
are not doing well and are poor and face these problems. Now they have to deal with poverty and they have to deal with being the butt of people's jokes. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's a lot. And, uh, and another thing is, is on top of feelings getting hurt, Vietnamese people will fuck you up. <laughs> <laughs> Filipino people will fuck you up. And, uh, like at Skankfest, you know, all those, you know, the fans think they're comics, you know, and so we were sitting on the patio, and then one dude's like, "Hey, anybody got a cigarette?" And I'm being courteous. I'm like, "Nah, man, I don't, I don't have anything." And he goes, "Oh yeah, all you guys are good for like GTRs and like uh, uh, ricers, you know, those like race cars or whatever." What the fuck? And I was like, "Whatever." Like I just let it slide because yeah. I was in the mood, and I promised Andrew I wouldn't start anything at the festival. <laughs> so you had to be on your best behavior because. Yeah. A couple months ago, I did fuck somebody up for, uh, at Rudyard's, but... Uh, oh, wait, what happened? I, I heard about that. Like, he said some shit to you? Yeah, he said some shit to me. It wasn't racially charged. I was just in a mood, so, like, uh, I walked up to him later, and I just lit him up. <laughs> but that was something <laughs> Did you else. imagine the door at Avant when you saw him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but then, this, yeah, this guy said that. I let it slide, but Ashen was there, and Ashen didn't let it go. And then, so he got in this dude's face and like, uh, like, like scared the guy, like you know. And then, so that guy came up to me later. And he was like, "Hey, man, like, I was just joking. Like, we talked before in the festival, and uh, like, we were cool. So I thought I could make that joke." And I was like, "Look, man, like, maybe I was cool with it in the moment, but when you say that shit, you have to be prepared for the consequences. Maybe other people uh, aren't cool with it." So don't be surprised whenever people come up to you like that. If you if if you say that shit, you know what I mean. It's like that. Yeah. Play stupid games, win super prizes. You know, if you're gonna take that gamble and say some racist shit, not everybody's gonna let it slide. So hopefully that guy walks away and uh, knows better. You gotta be able to take the consequences too afterwards. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, but like, and that applies to comedy too. Exactly. That applies to comedy, that. like. Yeah. Like with edgy comedy, you know, uh, people say like, oh, edgy comics, they go up, they say whatever they want to say. That's brave. You know, they don't care about pushing the boundaries. And maybe it is brave, but it's only brave if there are consequences to be had. If there are no consequences and comics could say whatever, then what's brave about saying something that you know you're not going to get in trouble for? Yeah. Right? There's no bravery there. It's just like you're just hiding behind the facade. So, I don't know. It's dumb. But I feel like some comics do that still, hide behind a certain facade because they're not really being edgy or brave. They're just coming close to the line, but they're too scared to go over it. You know? Like, what do you mean? Like, I mean, like uh, with the writing, I feel like some comics are are pre- pretty good writers. If you're a good writer, you could talk uh, about certain things, but like, yeah, you're not there yet. So like, you're you're close to the line, but you're not really crossing it. You're still people still like you. People still agree with what you're saying. Are you talking about like, um, like doing jokes about like disagreeable things? Like, if you, like, what do you mean? What do you mean yeah, by going ba- over the line? Yeah, yeah, basically that. You're just doing the opposite, but you know, it's fine because people are still okay with that. Okay, like, give me an example. I'm an idiot, so let me see. Because I think I know what you're trying to say. I just want to. I'm trying to figure out how to say it right now. <laughs> like that's the thing. Like, uh, be an asshole. Everybody agrees that like an asshole sucks, but like okay. taking taking the side of the asshole and just going with it, and oh, right. people still liking it. Yeah, it's because everybody knows. Oh, you're doing a character. You're being oh, okay. an asshole on purpose. Yeah, and everybody gets it. So mm-hmm. there's not really something brave about that. You're just doing something that oh, everybody already mean. accepts. I see what you mean. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool. Yeah. 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 I-, I was talking more about like. Um, I was talking more about like comics going up there and then saying quote unquote edgy stuff, like upsetting things. Yeah, but they're doing it on purpose with no joke and no point yeah, behind it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so but, they're, but they're like, just trying to say it just to say it. Yeah, yeah. But, but the problem there is like whenever those things fail, they blame it on the crowd. But it's like, no, that was that's on you. You didn't make it work. You know what I mean? So it, it like it's not in the the audience's uh deficiency and like comedy knowledge it's your deficiency in skill like you weren't skilled enough to make that work exactly yeah so as a comic you should be self-aware in that moment going like either i don't know how to say this or i don't mm-hmm. know how to write it better so you just hold it in for a minute 
take like a couple months or something, keep thinking about it and just yeah. keep working on it. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of comics, like you said, don't do that. And they're just like, oh, there's just a bad crowd. Yeah, it, yeah. Like, no, no, you did a bad job. I always blame myself before I blame the crowd. 100%. Yeah, I think that's part of just being hard on yourself and being passionate. Yeah, yeah, but also it makes you work harder and you're like, you think, okay, if they didn't laugh at that, how can I change this? What can I do? Do I change the punchline, the tag, or maybe the premise isn't good enough? Mm-hmm. You have to figure out exactly how to get that point across. Yeah. Because any comic can go up with any type of material and kill, but like, what did you actually do to make that shit work? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the biggest thing because I used to be terrible. I used to be a horrible comic. But because I've been in it for so long and I've worked so hard on the writing and the stage presence, the performance, I feel like I'm finally starting to figure it out. Yeah, no, that's great. Like, I yeah. I, I see you like uh, I've seen you go recently and I can tell like you're you're a completely different comic. I'm a different person in person importantly, that, than you were before. And uh, it's evident on stage like you're a better performer. You're much more comfortable um, you know, I, I see your jokes hitting, um, not to say that you were terrible before, but now they're like, you know, they're better now, obviously. And that's because I've been working on the writing and the yeah. experience and I'm like, oh, okay. I, I, I'm starting to figure out the older jokes and why they didn't work. And then like what angle I took. And that's the biggest thing. Like I've heard it before. The more you do it, the better you're going to get. Yeah. A hundred percent. The one thing you, if you're going to do comedy, the one thing you have to do is don't quit. Don't stop. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's true. It's yeah. true. You will get better. You will get better. Um, the question is, is how good are you going to get and how far can you get? That's that's the scary question. That's the thing. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, like uh, Joey Diaz, I love Joey Diaz so much. He just started getting like big when he got older, you know? Right. Yeah. And that's another thing is like, sure, you're young right now. You go to New York, you don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Either you're going to hit or you're just going to keep doing it until something happens. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like Bill Burr, you know, people always use Bill Burr as an example. Is like he, he didn't have his first special until he was like 40. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so people quote that all the time. I feel like I'll be saying that as I'm like a 50-year-old open micer. <laughs> like, you know, Bill Burr, you know right? <laughs> I'm at Rudyard's. I'm 55. You know, Bill Burr didn't hit till he was 40. <laughs> I mean, also Bobby Lee. He's never put out a special, but he's big now because he has a big podcast. Well, Bobby Lee. I mean, you have to take these things with a grain of salt too. Bobby Lee was on Mad TV. He's been famous for more of his life than he was not famous. Yeah, but not for stand up. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was a sketch comedy show. I'm just talking yeah. stand up specifically. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's yeah. never put out a special. Special. Yeah. Which is crazy, but. It happens sometimes. Sometimes you can you can pop on things aside from comedy, like TV, sketches. Uh, the internet now is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Andrew Schultz. Andrew Schultz. He's, he's been like one of the first it. guys to really capitalize on putting stuff on the internet. When I, <clears throat> it's funny with Andrew Schultz. So I've opened for Andrew Schultz uh, like two, two, two or three times at the Improv, and um, first time I opened for him. He was like a one-nighter. He was obviously like very funny and very talented. But um, he maybe sold like maybe like 100 tickets. And the improv seats like four or 500 people. So it was very barren, you know. And then the next time he came a couple years later, I mean, the guy sold out the show. Um, probably at that time, like I think he sold out two shows. And uh, he had another guy who just like recorded everything. He had like this whole multimedia fucking, uh, uh, team team with him. Yeah. yeah. And, um, it just goes to show like how much that boosted his career. You know what I mean? Or his notoriety is wild. It was, it was like opening for two completely different comics. Really? Yeah. Like, did that show you something? Like when you saw that, the difference between the first time and the next time? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, uh, it showed how much putting yourself out there um, can boost, you know, your career. But also, like, he was only able to do that because he had the skills to do it. Like, he had the comedic chops, you know, and the act to back up the content that he was putting out online. Yeah, because he's, he's one of those grinders. He goes out all the time. <clears throat> yeah. And he works on his stuff, so. Yeah. That but, may, like, uh, what I've always been afraid of with putting stuff online is, like, am I is this good enough to put online? You know, it's like, I always felt like I didn't want to put stuff online because 
I didn't think it was like polished or ready. But now it seems like it doesn't matter. Now it seems like just content is king. Put out as much stuff as you can, as consistent as you can, and that's the landscape of comedy now. Whereas before, it was like if you put anything out, it has to be fucking refined and polished and tested and good to go. I mean, that's essentially why they call it a special. Because it's a special right. night, it's a special event. Everything yeah. I worked so hard for is for this one moment. And that was always the dream for me. Because ten yeah. years ago when I started, that was the pinnacle of comedy. You know, like the uh, the gold bar in comedy was like those uh, Louis specials. That's when I started. When he was like putting oh, them out online, man. you know, he was prolific during that time. Yeah, too. and that that's like that's what I wanted to do, and still. Like every year, just come out with something. Yeah, I'd have yeah. these big specials online, and they were like an event. And, you know, like everything he did, like uh, I wanted to do the comedy seller specials, jack off in front of my openers. <laughs> <laughs> all you wanted things. it all. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, uh, yeah, so that, that was the name of the game when I started. It was like you fucking grind it out, you refine this material, this material, and you release a special. But now it seems like that's not really a viable way to go anymore. Now it's about putting stuff out online consistently and building a following. And when you tour, people who fuck with your stuff online are going to come out and see you. And uh, the guys who are kind of stuck on the old model, like releasing specials, da da da, it seems to be taking them a lot longer. And uh, I don't know if that's the way to go anymore. You know, That's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, like... It also depends on, like, Andrew Schultz specifically. Like you said, he's been doing it for so long. He's got the chops. Uh, he knows exactly what he's doing. Like, yeah. if you see, like, an open... I see some open micers right now posting stuff online. Yeah. And yeah. I'm just like, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> I feel that way, too. I, that, that's why I'm hesitant to post things, because I know if I post things online, there's going to be people ahead of me who look at me and be like, yeah, this is not it. I don't, but I, but with I just, you, I don't think so. With you specifically, because you have really good jokes and really good writing. Are sure. there some jokes that you wrote in your earlier years that you're finally ready to put online? Well, the thing is, is like it's like what you said. You know, the the material and the jokes that I did in my earlier years, that, those jokes were written and performed by a completely different Victor. You know, like I'm a different person now. You know, so like those jokes don't really apply to me. That's a good point. You know, yeah, like that's I a good point. yeah, like I've been doing comedy for like nine or ten years now. I. I maybe have like 25, I maybe have like a 25 minute act right now because I've thrown away so much material of like things that worked and things that were good, but it's like, I'm not that guy anymore. That stuff's not funny to me anymore. Uh, it would be weird if I went up and still did those jokes, you know, it's like, yeah, but what's important. Yeah. So yeah, I have a lot of shit that I just don't use anymore. Really? Yeah. 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 So like, uh, with your current set now, how old is it? Um, there's a few jokes that are from like way back, but my current set's probably like two or three years old. That's not too bad. Yeah, yeah. So, but 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 by doing that, you've learned to try to be prolific yourself and try to come out with new material. But it's also good writing and stuff like that. Just like sure, every, yeah. how, how often do you come up with a new joke? Like every week. It's random. I it's random. Like I, I should be more disciplined with writing, but um, really, it's just like I would say maybe like maybe a new joke every week and a half. That's that, not that, too bad. That like works. It's not too yeah. bad. Yeah. yeah. Like what I've been trying to do is trying to come up with a new five minutes every month, mm-hmm. and just try to keep that going. Like uh, yeah, that's a great goal. A year ago, I barely had like eight minutes to be com- completely honest, but right. I've been just like working on the writing and forcing myself to do it. Now I have like 20 to 25 minutes. Yeah. I think that's what we were talking about earlier is like the more experience you get and the more jokes that you get to work, you figure out what makes them work. So now you have that skill set, and it makes writing easier. After yeah. That, yeah. You know, like, um, yeah, I think comedy just gets ex- like skill wise, not business or industry wise. I think it gets exponentially easier because, um, you know, the more you know, the more you're able to use. And the more you do it, the more you learn, right? So I feel like you can write an hour in like a year for sure. Nah, nah. I feel it, like it, you can do it. Uh, I hopefully I can get to that point, but right now I don't I don't think I'm there yet. But I, I would like to get to that point. That would be like the goal. So like let me ask so you're moving to New York, right? Yeah. Why New York? Why not LA or like San Francisco or uh, spots? Austin? Well, uh I think New York and LA are still like the front runners in like 
comedy in terms of like um, industry and just in terms of like uh, growth and talent. And then um, I look at the L.A. scene. I look at the New York scene. I just prefer New York. I just prefer the style out there, the comics that have come out there, the history there. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I, I think I just fit in more there than I would in L.A. Like in L.A., the the comedy style to to how I see it is like the comics sort of um, from the, the, the stand up is all like performance based. I was going to say that. So from from me, the way I see it, L.A. is more performance and New York is more joke writing. Yeah. And I kind of lean towards that way. Not to say that performance isn't important. It's like that's something that I'm working on. It's like super important. But uh, I I really prioritize like good writing and like original material. Not to say L.A. isn't that, but I think New York is more that, you know, And and I like I like the clubs out there, you know, it's like the Louis thing, you know, like, uh, that was always the dream, the cellar, Caroline's, um, even like fucking Broadway, Gotham comic club, uh, all that Brooklyn shit. Like that was always the dream. I've always wanted to be a New York comic. I, and my, my goal, like my highest aspiration in comedy. And, and I know it's not that crazy obtain. Uh, high, like I think it's pretty obtainable. I just want to get past at the cellar. That's all I want. That's all I want. Whatever happens after that, great. But like, I just want to get past at the cellar. Yeah, man, I hope that happens though. Yeah, me too. That's that's my dream. I mean, I feel like you can do it. We other uh, who was there? I think Ashton. Ashton just got passed there. Bigger stuff also. Bigger stuff got passed there. Broussard's yeah. passed there. Yeah. Um, a couple other comics that maybe we don't know personally, but. Uh, are kind of like around our class skill level past there. Um, I, you know, I want to be one of those guys. But I feel like Houston is on the come up right now because we've got some comics that move over there and they're doing yeah. things. And like a lot of people, I feel like Houston is looked down upon, but sure. we have some of the best talent here. I think so too. I think the city uh, cultivates like really good comics. Um, and I think about that a lot. Because that is true. Like, everybody that comes out of Houston ends up doing really well. Um, and I think what it is is, like, we have, a, first off, we have a very diverse city. So we can go up in front of all types of crowds. And um, if you can do well in front of all types of crowds, then that's the best thing you could be. And also, like, there's not a lot of clubs here. So there's a lot of, um, but there's a lot of people here. It's like a very populous place. There's a, so there's, like, a lot of demand but not a lot of supply, like club-wise, right? So new comics like us, we can go to an open mic that actually has an audience. We could do a local show that actually has an audience, and that is so beneficial for like developing because you're actually getting feedback, and you're not just telling your jokes to a vacuum. You know, that's a very good point. Yeah. Uh, I went to like Harlingen uh, a couple months ago, and I could see the difference between me and the comics that were there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they only had an open mic maybe once a week. Uh, they had a show once a month. Sure. And that was like, there was a whole group, maybe like 20 people, but that was all they had. Mm-hmm. And here you can get on stage at least two, three times a night. Yeah. Which is awesome. And mm-hmm. I, I could see like, it wasn't because I was better than them or my material was better. It's because I had more experience and I 100%. was going out. Yeah. And I it, could see that. Experience shows in stand up. Experience shows. Like, um, I don't think I'm the most naturally funny guy. Or, you know, I'm not the funny. I'm definitely, I'm not the funniest comic in the scene. But stand-up, I would say I'm one of the best stand-ups. Not the funniest guy. But, like, um, people can tell, like, a lot of times people come up to me and, like, dude, like, I don't know what it is, but I can tell that you just, you know. You have really good stage presence. Yeah. You do. I can see that. But it's something that just came from experience, you know. I'm a pretty meek guy. I'm a pretty meek guy. Pretty reserved guy. Like, that's not natural to me to have, like, presence but it's just something that is developed from doing it for so long. Do you feel like people build you up in their head when they see you on stage and then when they when you're off stage talking to them they they kind of get let down a little bit because they think, <laughs> <laughs> think of you're you're like the stand-up guy. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a thing that a lot of comics feel. Like when I met Tim Dillon, um I asked him if my friend could meet him cuz he was like a big fan. And Tim Dillon was like, yeah, but tell him he's going to be disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) But that's a good trait to have. It's a good trait to have to not be the guy that you're on stage because you'd be fucking, you'd be fucking annoying if you were the guy. Oh God. There's some dudes that like, 
are on all the time and I hate it so much. And most times they're not good because like if they don't have the self-awareness to know not to do that, then they don't have the self-awareness to be a good stand up. You know what I mean? Yeah. It kind of yeah. Self-awareness is a big thing. Yeah, yeah. Self-awareness is uh, I think it's one of the yeah. biggest things. Yeah. Well, like part of the reason why I got better is because I started being more self-aware. I started looking at myself and asking myself, is this actually funny? Do I actually like what I'm talking about? Right. And I realized, no, I had to, no, I didn't like it. Yeah. I hated it and I had to switch it up. That's how I feel too, man. That's how I felt like a couple of years in, maybe like two, three, four years ago. Um, I was like, yeah, I mean, I have a lot of jokes that work, but it's like, is this how I want to present myself? Is this how I really feel? And uh, it's not. So threw away a lot of shit. Yeah. And your skill grows. So you look at your material and you're like, I'm I'm better than this now. I don't need this. You know. Which sounds arrogant, but it's not. Yeah. Not at all. It's like it shows that you've grown and that you're understanding yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really good. I didn't think it sounded arrogant at all. But maybe that's just my arrogance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're at an hour now. You, do you want to keep going or are you good? Yeah, we could, we could wrap it up. Could wrap it up? Okay. Is there anything else? Um, okay. Anything else you want to talk about? Anything that's been like in your mind lately? Uh, what do you want? You want to talk about like Kyle Rittenhouse? Or, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> if you want. No, I definitely don't. Uh I think one thing that I think about a lot is just like the culture in the scene, especially now that I'm leaving, you know, and how, uh, how do you feel about the group that's going right now? Because to me, that's one of the best groups that I've ever seen. You, Trey, right Grady, Josh, oh, like like the group that's leaving right now, the group that's leaving right now. Yeah. Yeah. I do think it's a, a big group of good guys that are leaving. And I think that it's a product of the pandemic, you know, like we're all leaving at the same time because nobody could leave last year. You know, so it's essentially two years worth of, you know, uh, moving happening at the same time. So that's why it feels like a lot of good comics are leaving. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I hope I hope that ends up playing in our favor. I mean, what I'm hoping is we all go out there and we're all good and we all sort of fall into our own niches in the New York scene and then vouch for each other and get each other on shows and help each other out. Um, that's what I'm hoping for. Um it's also a testament to one thing that I really believe now is like um, community is like really everything in comedy. Like I hope that we could all help each other. And um, back here, I hope there's still a good community here. I hope that the culture is still one that holds each other accountable and pushes people to get better, you know, like how it was for me when I started, you know, and that way there could be a, a new crop of comics who are really good to like, fill whatever void whatever small void is left by me and the other guys you know i really didn't have it that much when i was coming up mm-hmm. but now that i've been doing it for a while i feel like i gotta start being that guy like if i see some hacky shit on stage that somebody's doing because like me being hispanic is the same thing like there's there isn't that much uh asian yeah yeah in houston Mm-hmm. There wasn't that many Hispanic comics. It was just me, Enrique. That's crazy. There's yeah. not. There's yeah. so many now. And mm-hmm. it's crazy. But they are coming up with hacky shit. And it's the coming up, growing Hispanic, you see a certain type of, you know, humor. And it's cat skills. It's a lot of like, they dress up, they have characters and stuff like sure. that. yeah. But I'm an American and I do American stand-up. Mm-hmm. And it's way different than that. So I'm trying to break that mold too, all at the same time, you know? Right, right. Yeah. So yeah. it is tough. And I do understand from that standpoint, mm-hmm. like trying to be different, trying to be authentic and original. So yeah, it's commendable for sure. Yeah, man. That's, that's to me, that's like the whole point of a standup. Um, it's also just, it was also super competitive when I started, there was no secret group. There was no, literally no opportunity for shows. Now I feel like you start doing mics and you get on shows almost immediately, which there's pros and cons of that. There's, it's not all bad, but, uh, I think a product of that is like, uh, there's not a lot of, there's not enough, um, incentive to, uh, be original and be really good, you know, cause your, your reward, it's so fast. Right. That's a very good point. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I see that. But, uh, do you have any Instagram, Twitter handles? Yeah. I'm on uh, Vic Van Tran on, um, Pretty much everything, Instagram, Twitter. I love that. <laughs> that's, my, that's my actual name. <laughs> Has and, anybody uh, ever told you, like, Rob Van Dam, like, if you're trying to play off of that? Uh Oh, 
Rob Van Dam or is it? Uh, He's the wrestler. Oh really? Yeah. I, I know uh, um, John Claude Van Dam. There's John Claude, and then there's a wrestler called Rob Van Dam. Oh really? So when I first heard that uh, that Twitter handle. I was just like, is he trying to play off of Rob Van Dam? Are you like a wrestling junkie or something? I, I like, hate professional wrestling. <laughs> I'm a big MMA guy. I hate wrestling. But uh, yeah, that's just my uh, God-given wrestling name, I guess. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, you know, you can follow me at the Jocosity. Uh, I'm always at Axel Red every Monday, 8 o'clock, if you want to show up. And uh, do you have any shows or anything coming up soon? Yeah, uh, I'm doing, uh, I guess the only big one is uh, me and Josh are doing a farewell show uh, on the 21st of November. So I don't know when this is coming out, but uh, if you guys can come to that, that would be really great. Me and Josh are uh, heading out to New York together. I just had Josh on the last episode. That's perfect. Yeah, it was really good too, Mm -hmm. so. Dude, I'm going to be honest. This this was good, too. Thanks, man. Yeah, Yeah, this was fun. But thanks for coming out. Definitely check out his show, November 21st. And uh, it's been a minute. Yeah, yeah.